Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle and Johan Clausen from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. How are you guys? Well, all things considered, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, me too. Fantastic. How me about too. you, Eric? Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing good. You know, this, this whole working from home thing, I got this. I, well, I've been doing it for eight years, so I suppose I'm old to it, but my wife is working from home now too. And if the only issue we've had so far is that she sneaks down here and tries to clean my office <laughs> because I like organized chaos and she likes everything meticulous. And she's like, Oh, I just can't stand looking at your desk. I'm like, well, okay, don't look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, everything's great. Good. Well, I am not used to working from home. And so the past three weeks have been a little unusual for me. So uh, yeah, but the dogs are very happy. Uh, oh, all bet. five of them are extremely happy to have us home. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> but it's a, an adjustment for me. Yeah, it's actually been a little bit of going back to an old way of working, you know, because I worked uh, remotely from my home in Colorado uh, for what, six and a half years, Kim? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then this last year and a half, being here in in Santa Fe has been different for me. So it's, it's more of a getting back to the old habits of uh, being able to go and hang out with folks in the house here and, and chat with the dogs. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Well, I, before we really get started on our conversation today, I, I do want to tell our listeners that we are doing well, uh, both Johan and I, and, and I believe Eric is too. Um, and I hope they are all doing well in this very unusual situation that we find ourselves in and that their families are all healthy and that they're staying healthy and um, and being careful out there. So we're all sending our well wishes to them. Absolutely. So our podcast today is it's a little different because we are podcasting from home. So you might hear a dog bark or uh, something happen if the mailman comes. <laughs> so be forewarned, everyone. Today, uh, we're going to do a couple different things on this podcast. We don't have a traditional podcast topic in mind. Uh, I want to do a brief update to Podcast 21, where we talked about supply chain issues. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're all hearing a lot about supply chain in the news uh, when we're talking about the N95 masks and medical supplies. And so I do want to, um, oh, and toilet paper. Can't forget that. No, I mean, really toilet paper. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And then Johan has a lot of information about investing in the time of COVID-19 and what that means for us. So that's kind of what we're going to do today. All right. Yeah. The supply chain is, is huge right now. I know that, um, one of the things my, my wife just saw it on the news yesterday, I believe about dairy farms and milk and the fact that since schools are gone or, or let out, uh, there's no need for milk at the schools. And since a lot of restaurants aren't buying milk, but there's, there's this huge surplus 
and they don't even have enough trucks to transport it to do anything with it anyway. And we already have a huge, what, 1.3 billion pound surplus of cheese. So it's not like we can make more cheese out of that milk. So they had video of that actually being dumped down the drain because there is a huge issue with supply chain and how to transport and how to take care of these farmers. So... Yeah, it's not like you can stop a cow from producing milk. So there's no turning that spigot off, right? Yeah, that's a supply chain issue. And unfortunately, that is going to get dumped because you do have to milk the cow. Mm -hmm. So the big supply chain issue that we are looking at is the lack of uh, production in, in terms of the current supply chain. The lack of uh, people wonder why is there no toilet paper? Uh, why can't we get it? And it's it's not just getting it into the store. A lot of it is the production mm. of current toilet paper, because what we have in our situation now is, is something called just in time manufacturing. We don't produce massive quantities of toilet paper and store it in warehouses. It's not something that we do. We produce it, it gets transported, it gets put in the store, and it gets purchased. They have this down to a science, you know, pandemics aside, when when we don't have a pandemic and people aren't purchasing massive quantities because they're sure they're not going to have enough toilet paper for their use. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's a, it's a process that they have down to a science. Mm -hmm. So we, we don't store massive quantities of things like toilet paper and paper towels and um, uh, antiseptic wipes and things like that in, in warehouses. So when people are, are buying those in mass quantities to fulfill what they think their needs might be uh, over and above what they would normally buy, it's the it's just not there. They can't ramp up the production fast enough. So there's that. It's the same thing with um, the medical supplies, when when they're unprepared for what the needs might be because no one forewarned them, or they, they <laughs> certain people weren't uh, paying attention to that and getting prepared for that. So you know there's uh, issues with that. So that's that's the kind of supply chain problem that we're looking at at the moment. Trying to ramp up that kind of production is difficult because the factories just don't have the, the capability to, to, to get that production going at that high rate of need. Well, and it's not the company's fault. I mean, honestly, we can't no, expect any not. company to have a warehouse that they have to power and they have to have you know land purchased for just to store 14 billion rolls of toilet paper. Right? I mean, it's no. just not, right. yeah. there's just no way that a company can do that and survive. Right? So... Uh, it's not their fault. And I think that there's a lot of pressure on, well, these companies should have been producing a lot more. Well, no, no, they well, shouldn't. Have. And who would think that there would be a run on toilet paper? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, they had um, uh, elaborate algorithms that described how much toilet paper to produce in, in given seasons and how, uh, where it needed to be and what parts of the country and all that kind of good stuff. Those are, you know, the computers are uh, have been running a lot of that kind of stuff, and so for all of this sudden to be suddenly thrown out of the window um, because of our need uh, to lock ourselves away, we can't blame. There's no, really nobody to blame. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a thing. So we should another opportunity for us, I guess, to all relax a little bit. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> so, and stop counting your toilet paper and thinking you need three times as much as you do. Let's uh, share with our neighbors. And, you know, <laughs> on that note, let's let's share everything with our neighbors and, and help each other. So there's absolutely. That. But that's my sort of update to the supply chain issues. It's, you know, when we talked on podcast 21 about supply chain, I said there was so much more we could discuss. Mm-hmm. And here it is. There's so much more we could discuss. We had no idea, but there yeah. it is. So that's that's my update on that. But let's let's kind of talk about investing. I'm going to let Johan kind of take the the reins here and launch us into that discussion. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I think um, there, there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about um, with regard to what's going on in the marketplace right now and, and what we're up to and what we're thinking. Just to give folks kind of an update, we're still in queasy territory with the market. I saw so far today, we're recording sort of midday on Monday the 7th or Tuesday the 7th. And I saw that the market was up two and a half percent earlier today. And we've been doing these three, four, five percent one direction or the other kind of days for a couple of weeks now. And and it's still in nausea inducing territory. So we're still um, spending, well, I'm still spending a lot of my time watching what's going on, trying to get a handle on when we might be able to get some money to work. Uh, We've been allowing um, cash to build up in some client accounts, uh, the folks who are making ongoing contributions. We're allowing that money to accumulate, waiting for an opportunity to to put it to work. On the one hand, that's been terrific for our clients who have been making contributions because that's been cushioning their accounts against some of this volatility. Uh, on the other hand, we do have a little bit of worries that we might miss the the perfect opportunity to get money back to work. So we're trying to balance those those things. And just this last week, we sent out um, over the weekend. It's Blur's Day, isn't it? Um, it's or sometime day. over the weekend. <laughs> sometime over the weekend here, I on, in a Blur's Day move, um, went ahead and produced our clients' uh, quarterly performance reports for the first quarter. And one of the things that I noticed is that our client portfolios, on average, overall, all of our client portfolios taken together, were down just a little over 13%. Mm. Comparing that to where the stock market is, a yeah. little more than 24% for that same period we're not doing badly at all. Yeah. In addition to recognizing that our clients' portfolios are down a lot less than the the stock market is, some part of that, an important part of that is due to the fact that they have excess cash and a a lot of bonds um, in our sort of average portfolio. But also there's an important uh, aspect uh, that the sustainable investment um, strategies that we use have been have played a part in um, in our clients not being down as far as they might have been otherwise, and one easy way to see that um, is just looking at the impact of um, well not being invested in oil and gas companies. We do have a few you know here and there uh, smaller oil and gas companies, the kind who are uh, willing to engage with us on some of our shareholder engagement uh, projects, but we don't have any of the great big super giant oil and gas companies, we don't have those in our portfolios. You know, where those are down 50%-ish over this same time period compared to the broader market being down 20 or 25%, our portfolios haven't partaken in those losses. So we're a little ahead of the uh, of the general market uh, for that reason, as well as, as for the uh, asset allocation reasons. 
Yeah, I think those are definitely important things to note in terms of the sustainability piece. And I think in terms of paying attention to market movements and the management of accounts, which is something that we're doing on a daily basis. I'm afraid to say nightly basis for you. I think this has been a very (laughs) stressful time period for us. One of the things I am saying to clients when I'm talking to them, especially those who have called, and that's been very minimal, our our -hmm. client calls, because we have these conversations with our clients all the time. We are paying attention and we are there for you and we've set you up correctly, I hope, in the first place. So very few people call in a panic, which is good. But we are the ones who are stressing for you. So we hope you take that seriously because this is our job. And I've noticed that it hasn't been a huge influx of client calls because they know that we're taking this on for them. That, that's, that's great. Important. I mean, that's always, it also speaks to the relationship that you guys have with them. I mean, it's very open and you have clear communication. Let me ask you this. I'm, I'm curious when you brought that up as far as your portfolios, eliminating, or let's, let's take the, the big oil and big gas off the table the investments that you guys have your clients in or that your clients are in, how are they doing compared to just basically the rest of the market taking out the the big guns? In my opinion, I would think that companies that are more favorable to sustainability and are better for the environment, they're doing better in general. Uh, But what are you guys seeing? Well, it's a little difficult to answer that question. Um, you know, I think that even outside the uh, the oil and gas uh, arena, we see that sustainable criteria, sustainability criteria, tend to uh, focus a portfolio on higher quality companies, mm-hmm. um, higher quality companies than we expect when things are. Um, in ordinary time periods, I guess we expect that they keep pace, you know, with uh, with all of the the broader market. In times like this, where things get out of joint, I guess is the the, the Shakespearean phrase. We find that generally the higher quality companies um, will outperform the broader market. But for the moment, you know, I think it's fair to say that uh, that our portfolios are a little bit ahead of the standard industry benchmarks because we're focused on higher quality companies, um, the kinds of companies that aren't necessarily in as much trouble mm-hmm. right now, you know, that haven't been overextending themselves and that aren't involved in the production, uh, exploration and production of oil and gas. So, <laughs> yeah, the kinds of conversations I've been having with clients are things around, should we have more cash on hand? Should we move more into bonds? What should we do? And the way I've been addressing those conversations are, what do you need the cash for? Are you are you needing more income right now? Have you been laid off from work? Are you anticipating that? Are you looking at immediate expenses? And the answers to those questions are, are forming whether or not we make changes. And for most of those conversations, the answer is no, I haven't been laid off. My my work hasn't changed or I don't really need more cash. And so we're not making changes for the majority of our clients. And I think that's an important aspect of this in terms of not selling 
when the market was uh, extremely bad, even last week or, you know, especially the week before, because that we have seen an uptick. And, and of course, everybody asks that big question, is it going to get worse? Uh, my crystal ball yeah. is broken. And yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> it, it's, it's entirely possible it, it, that it could go back down to where it was or maybe get worse or maybe get better. It, it's certainly better today, but tomorrow it could be bad again. It's, you know, we don't know. The answers to those questions are always, what are your immediate needs? What are your needs next year? Yeah. You know, where are we going long term with this as well? Well, I did see that Forbes put out an article about different banks that are giving some relief to their clients, meaning if you have a mortgage with some specific banks, they're they're allowing you to suspend your mortgage for three months or even six months. Uh, same thing with auto loans. A lot of people are are allowing you to suspend your payments for, for four months. And so I know as advisors, you don't want them to miss the opportunity to make money back on the market by pulling money out of their accounts. And so I would assume that if they're in a situation where maybe they have lost their job, there are other things to look at with all the different moving parts of what's going on right now. I think that there are other options besides panicking and, and pulling money out of your retirement accounts, which Again, you just lose that opportunity uh, to to make more money when the market comes back up. Have you had Absolutely. any discussions with that so far? Interestingly, I found out uh, earlier this morning that um, student loan payments that we're making are being uh, canceled through at least through September. Nice. Um, there's, yeah, there's and one part of the of these student loans that we're still paying on might actually be canceled through November. Hmm. Um, so that you know, there's a few months there where we're we're being able to save a little bit of extra money. Well, we're being able to hold on to a little bit of cash that we normally would be paying out, and they're not um, they're setting it up so that we're not even accruing interest during that period. They're just sort of freezing it. If we can make some additional payments during this time period, apparently that's going straight to principal. So that's terrific. That just means that it cuts down the the time period during over which I'm going to have to pay those loans. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I also this week happened to have uh, completed the refinance of my house. You know, it's only we've only been in this house uh, for what sixteen months, year and a half ish. So we're not really adding on to the length of the loan. Uh, particularly. But by refinancing now that mortgage rates are exceptionally low, we're being able to save uh, a little bit more on our payments, about 10, 11, 12 percent lowered payments. So that's that's great. That's a bonus right there. Yeah. So, you know, if you if you haven't looked into this already, um, you you might want to look into refinancing your uh, your mortgage. Talk to a mortgage broker, see if that's a possibility. I know a lot of those folks are kind of swamped right now because a lot of people are doing it. Um, but also, you know, reach out to the folks who uh, to whom you you make payments every month. Find out if it's possible to freeze your your student loan payments or your um, uh, credit card payments or your uh, mortgage payments. See see what the options are. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that will, you know, knowing that you can reduce your monthly outflow can really help to calm your nerves so that you don't feel an urge to, uh, make big mistakes. Absolutely. I think, you know, the other, the other side of this is that when we're talking about, well, it's hard to, it's hard to think the human costs of what's happening right now, just in terms of jobs lost and jobs in jeopardy, um, because, you know, there are people dying in our neighborhoods. Um, 
And so it's hard to know quite what to think about or, or how to describe what we're looking at and what we're talking about without acknowledging that that's a that that's a reality that we're facing right now but also you know looking forward trying to make some kind of assumptions about uh, what the world is going to look like six months from now or a year from now is really difficult we've seen just in the last couple of weeks applications for new unemployment applications right 10 million people out of a job suddenly Mm -hmm. and applying for benefits where Uh, that's just unheard of. That's outrageous. That has never happened since we've been keeping track of these kind of statistics. The best economists right now are looking forward at this and and saying that we're probably going to end up with between 25 and 30 million people out of work. Wow. That's a remarkable unemployment rate. That's the kind of thing that goes back to, you know, we haven't seen that since the Great Depression. That's so incredible. we haven't seen that in, in any of our lifetimes. Yeah. But on the other side of it, the question we have to ask the question whether, you know, is this short term? Is this long term? And it has to be. The the economy in general was doing pretty well before mm-hmm. uh, the virus took a lot of us out of work. When we get to a point where we have some kind of control over this virus, when we have uh, effective treatments and when we have ideally um, a vaccine, how many of us will be able to get back to work and how quickly? Mm-hmm. What kind of jobs will be available? <laughs> These are the kinds of questions that we have to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We're getting close to running out of time. And I, I just want to leave a couple of thoughts that I've been discussing with uh, some of our clients. And also on a recent blog post that I put up on our website, One of the things that I noticed when I was talking to a number of clients who called and really didn't want to do anything, but were nervous and scared, and you could hear the fear in their voices as they were talking about their accounts and their money and what should they do? Should they not do anything? Should they do something? I realized that what they really wanted to do was just talk. Mm-hmm. because they were they were scared and they were nervous and their reactions were very much like the client reactions after 9/11. This is all a trauma for them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a trauma for a lot of advisors going through this. And so we all have to remember that uh, when they're dealing with their money and their accounts and even us as advisors going through the situation because this is highly unusual and our reactions are going to be highly unusual we all have to stop and think about that and what we're doing yeah absolutely we'll get through it we will yep there's so many stories of individuals and companies stepping up to fill in a gap to to help somebody else out to supply something that's not being supplied right i mean that that, yes I, i loved hearing those and i think that as bad as it is the silver lining is that i think we'll be stronger as a people Overall, humanity overall will be stronger. New innovations are going to come from this. They always do when there's a tragedy. There's there's innovations that come out of necessity. And I think that that's something that we can look forward to uh, as soon as this is done. I don't, again, like you said, we don't have a crystal ball and I don't have my magic eight ball to shake here. Uh, but we, we don't know when it's going to end, but it will end. And so I, I look forward to that day and, you know, where I can meet other people outside and shake hands again. That'd be great. <laughs> that would be lovely. Yes. 
Do you have any other closing thoughts for today? I know, like you said, we're running out of time, but I want to give the floor to you. My closing thought, I guess, would be to keep encouraging each other for clients to call us when they need to discuss what's going on with their portfolios. Uh, For anyone who is interested in sustainable investing to give us a call, 505-982-9661. Check out our website, horizonssfs.com. We've got some great blog posts on there that Johan has written about what's going on, about um, what we do, how we do it, things we've been talking about today. I think those are all really important. And I also want to thank those clients who have called us just to see how we're doing. Mm -hmm. I cannot thank them enough. They didn't call to talk about their accounts or their investments. There have been a number of them who've just called to check in to see how we're doing. And I thank them from the bottom of my heart. That's fantastic. Kim and Johan, thank you so much for uh, meeting with me today and, and, and educating me on, on stuff that I have not heard yet. Uh, and it's positive. I, I like to hear that kind of stuff, especially right now. Thank you, you for bet. being here with us, Eric. You yeah. bet. Yeah, thanks, and Eric. You, yes, absolutely. And to the listening audience, thank you so much for being here and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle and Johan Clausen. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim and Johan come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Now, we'd like to take just a moment to thank our sponsors. Yes, our first sponsor is Green Century Capital Management. They are proud to be the home of the first family of fossil fuel-free, responsible, and diversified mutual funds in the U.S., By investing in responsible corporations, Green Century enables individuals to align their investments with with their values. Green Century also houses an award-winning shareholder advocacy program that directly presses dozens of companies every year on sustainability practices. Green Century is the only mutual fund company in the U.S. wholly owned by environmental and public health nonprofits, and 100% of the profits earned Managing the Green Century Funds belongs to them. Our second sponsor is Calvert Research and Management. They are a global leader in responsible investing. Calvert sponsors one of the largest and most diversified families of responsibly invested mutual funds, encompassing active and passively managed equity, income, alternative, and multi-asset strategies. With roots in responsible investing back to 1982, The firm seeks to generate favorable investment returns for clients by allocating capital consistent with environmental, social, and governance best practices and through structured engagement with portfolio companies. Thank you to Green Century Capital Management and Calvert Research and Management. That is fantastic. And I want to thank you again, the audience, for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com 
forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only. You and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of New Mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.